Good morning, everyone. You're so quiet this morning. We are happy and privileged to have our dream team of Curtis and Shauna back again. And they brought childcare with them, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we're happy to, to sing with you again together today. So let's stand and sing. Our uh, songs are slightly more thoughtful and maybe not exactly sad, but um, to go with the theme of a little bit of tribulation, a little bit of steadfastness during affliction, that kind of thing. So we're going to start with the song Steadfast Love, which is an old chorus, definitely before Curtis was born. Um, but we'll repeat it twice, and I'm pretty sure most of you, will, it'll be familiar to you. So let's stand and sing together. Peace renew a 
the first one talks about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceasing and then the second one talks about the Lord renewing a spirit of peace and a steadfast spirit within us which comes from him and then this last one is uh, a very old-fashioned hymn but it talks I think it addresses really great one of the points of Pastor Glenn's sermon so I'll let you figure out which one but um this one is often a funeral song, but it's actually not really funeral words. It's words for like, while you're living today. Some through the waters and some through 
Welcome to church this morning. I'd like to greet you and have you read along with me the scripture from Psalm 117 verses 1 and 2. And it's inside your bulletin on the call to worship. And if you would like to read with me. Praise the Lord, all nations. Loud him, all peoples. For his loving kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. If you'd like to bow with me, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come and celebrate and that we can remember because we are fickle people and we often forget your great love towards us and your loving kindness. We are often ungrateful and we don't offer you the praise and thanks for who you are and what you've done for us. And we pray that that would be a reminder for us today. And we just pray that our worship of you would be pleasing as we sing and as we pray. And we thank you that Pastor Glenn can come and preach and teach us. We pray that our hearts would be open to receive what you have for us from your word. And we praise you, Father, that we can come and do that together as a family and then freely this morning. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Now I'll have Laura Lee do our scripture reading. And the scripture is from Psalm 119, verses 49 to 56. Remember your word to your servant, for you have given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. The arrogant mock me without restraint, but I do not turn from your law. I remember your ancient laws, O Lord, and I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. Your decrees are the theme of my song, wherever I lodge. In the night I remember your name, O Lord, and I will keep your law. This has been my practice. I obey your precepts. at work 
and filled out the necessary accident report. This is what he wrote. When I got to the building, I found that the hurricane had knocked off some bricks around the top. So I rigged up a beam with a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels full of bricks. When I had fixed the damage area, there were a lot of bricks left over. Then I went to the bottom and began releasing the line. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was much heavier than I was, and before I knew what was happening, the barrel started coming down, jerking me up. I decided to hang on since I was too far off the ground by then to jump, and halfway up I met the barrel of bricks coming down fast. I received a hard blow on my shoulder. I then continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers pinched and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground hard, it burst the bottom, allowing the bricks to spill out. I was now heavier than the barrel. So I started down again at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up fast, and I received severe injuries to my shins. When I hit the ground, I landed on a pile of spilled bricks, getting several painful cuts and deep bruises. At this point, I must have lost the presence of my mind because I let go of my grip on the line. The barrel came down fast, giving me another blow in the head and putting me in the hospital. <laughs> I respectfully request sick leave. <laughs> I think we could say that, even though this story is kind of funny, <laughs> that this guy is undergoing a time of affliction. <laughs> uh, the experience itself would have been kind of harrowing, not to mention the physical healing and recovery that is now necessary for him. But what is likely worse than this kind of physical affliction is emotional or, and or spiritual affliction. And those two often come together. Emotional and spiritual affliction often go together. And when we undergo affliction, especially if it drags on for a period of time, the temptation to just give up comes to us. And the longer that the affliction drags on, the stronger that temptation may get. And when it's a spiritual or an emotional affliction, the temptation will be to just give up on your faith. Give up on staying true to God and the life that you know he wants you to live. To just give up trying to do the right thing because it isn't working anyway. The temptation to just find a way to get rid of the pain no matter how destructive that may be in the long run. Just give up. And for us as Christians, that is a temptation that we must resist, hard though it may be. In our summer series on selected portions of Psalm 119, the section we come to today speaks to this, maintaining a steadfast godliness in spite of affliction. You may have noticed as we've looked at these sections that we've already gone through in the Sundays previous uh, the psalmist speaks of the afflictions that he is experiencing quite often. And usually he makes reference to those who are reproaching him, or mocking him, or insulting him, or laying traps for him, etc. And seemingly, they're doing that because of the strong stand he had taken 
for God's word and in taking God's word seriously and in living righteously and in exposing wickedness. So the psalmist, it seems to me, the affliction he's facing or experiencing as he wrote this psalm was that, that he writes out of that experience where he's experienced these kind of insults and reproach and mocking and people laying traps for him because of his faith. But what he writes is applicable to any sort of affliction that may come our way as Christians as a result of our faith and the resulting stands that we take. Remember, the psalmist wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as all the Bible is written, and as such, it's applicable to all people of all time. And we need to read it as such. So, it's 49 to 56, the passage that Lord read to us, we're going to look at this morning, so if you're not there in your Bibles, turn there. Uh, in this portion, the psalmist talks about God's word giving him comfort in his affliction and reviving him. It talks about the arrogant deriding him, yet he stays true to God's word. And as he goes through this, what comes out is the theme of staying true, staying steadfast in his walk with God in spite of the afflictions. And not only that, but as he writes how he does that, he gives us some great examples of how to do that. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Let's go through it. As Christians, we need to stay steadfast in our walk with God in spite of times of affliction. And putting to practice the examples given to us here in this psalm, or in this, uh, these eight verses of this psalm, will help us to do that. So there's three things I want to look at. There's, there's more in this psalm that I, I'm going to kind of skip over, because uh, I want to focus on, on this, but... Uh, so I'm not going to cover everything in this psalm. You may think after, well, what about that? What it says that here? What about that? Well, uh, we're just going to look at these three things this morning. Examples of how to stay steadfast in your walk with God in spite of affection. Number one, take comfort in how God's word has proved itself in the past. Take comfort in how God's word has proved itself in the past. So I'm looking there at verse 49 and 50 and 52. Verse 49, the psalmist is asking God to remember his word to him. God had spoken to him previously, and, and that should be no surprise. <laughs> Psalm 119 is full of statements of how the psalmist has studied and meditated on God's laws and God's statutes and God's ordinances. It was a pattern of life for him to study God's word. So undoubtedly God had spoken to him and given promises to him. Further than that, and we're not sure about this, but if this psalmist is David, and we don't know that because the author of this psalm is not given to us, uh, many of the psalms are written by David, uh, some are anonymous and some are written by other people, but uh, it may well be David, it may not be, but it could be. But if it is David, God has spoken to him through the prophet Samuel, when Samuel anointed him to be the next king over Israel. And God had given him the promise that he would be king and the throne of Israel would never depart from his household. That was the promise of God to David. So at any rate, uh, whether it's David who wrote this or not, now as the psalmist is undergoing affliction, and the future to him at this particular moment seemed a bit tenuous, 
He prays, God, remember your promises to me. In fact, your promises at this point are my only hope. Verse 50. These promises were his comfort in his time of affliction. He was revived by God's promises to him. Verse 52. He remembers God's ordinances of old. From of old. Those ancient words of God's law written down long ago. That made up the Bible that they would have had at that time that this was written. He remembered them. And there was comfort in that. And as I thought about that, the question that came to my mind is, why is there comfort in remembering God's word? Why, when you are afflicted, and kind of reeling under that affliction, why does God's word revive you? Because that's what he says it did. I may be reading more into the text than what is here, but, but it seems to me that the psalmist here is speaking from experience. He knew God's word. He had been studying it and meditating on it for years. He knew God's word was true. He knew that following God's word works. He knew that when God promises something, it happens. Because God is a God who keeps his promises. And so now, as he's in the middle of the affliction, he remembers God's word. His ordinances from long ago. He's revived by that, and he placed his hope in God's promises. Because he knew, and likely from experience, that God's promises can be depended on. I'm sure that all of us who have been Christians for any length of time can look back and see the same thing. God's word is true. Following it has good results. God keeps his promises. We've seen it. We've experienced it. So when we come under times of affliction, we can be comforted and revived by this very fact. God's word has proved itself in the past, and God will come through for me again in the future and right now. God keeps his promises. Take comfort in that, friend, when you're undergoing affliction. Remember how God's word has proved itself in the past. And know that God is faithful. And he keeps his promises. He has in the past. He will now. He will in the future. That's the first example the psalmist leaves us about staying steadfast in our walk with God in spite of affliction. Remember God's word and how it has proved itself in the past and will continue to do so. Number two. Use music to embed the word of God in your innermost being. Use music to embed the word of God in your innermost being. You didn't see that one coming, didn't you? <laughs> Something unexpected to wake you up this morning. But it's there in this passage. Verse 54. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. God's statutes were something that the psalmist sang. Put to music, either by him or, or someone else, and he sang them. 
And really, that is pretty much what the whole book of Psalms is. The entire book is that. It, it is songs that the nation Israel sang in worship to God. Most of them were set to music. You could almost say that the book of Psalms was the hymn book for the ancient Jews. Let's unpack this a bit. That word translated statutes, your statutes have been my, or your statutes are my songs. In my translation it says, statutes. That Hebrew word, it, it means something prescribed. A prescribed task. An action that has been prescribed to be carried out. So the things that God had commanded the nation Israel to do, they were God's statutes. Tasks or, or things that the, he had prescribed for them to carry out. God's statutes. Those statutes were his songs in the house of his pilgrimage, it says in my translation. That is speaking of a place where the psalmist was living or dwelling. But it carries with the idea that he was living there, but he knew it wasn't permanent. It was a temporary thing. That dwelling place was a temporary thing. Now, we could go into that a bit. <laughs> and then probably some good stuff there in that. But I'd like to focus on this music thing here. Why were God's statutes put to music? You see throughout the Bible that music always played an important part in the lives of the people of God. Both in the Old and the New Testaments, it's there very strongly. It still does play an important part in the people of God. There are examples in the Bible given of the people of God singing praises to God. Many times throughout the Old Testament you read that of, of, of the people of God singing praises to God. David, when he, uh, he got the, the, the tabernacle to Jerusalem, he set up a whole rotation of musicians and singers at the temple so that songs of praise were, were being sung there pretty much around the clock. In the New Testament, you see Paul and Silas singing praises to God while they were in prison in Philippi. While they were undergoing affliction, they were singing praises to God. In Colossians 3, verse 16, Paul actually commands that singing be a part of teaching. I like what, turn there please, I want you to see that. Colossians 3, verse 16. Turn there in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Why is that? Why is music and singing that important? We know music is a very subjective thing. Some people like it a lot. Some don't really. <laughs> Some people like this style of music. Some people like that style of music and hate that style but love that style. And some people love this style. You know, it's such a subjective thing, music is. But it's very important, apparently, according to the Word of God. Why is that? Why is music and singing that important? And you know, someday I'm going to put together a whole sermon on this. <laughs> because this fascinates me. 
whole sermon on the theology of music in the Bible. But suffice to say here, music touches a part of our brain where the spoken word alone does not. Music gets inside of us and moves us and embeds itself in us in a way that just the spoken word or the written word alone does not. When a song gets into you, you remember it. It stays with you. It just stays with you. I think it was a couple years ago uh, at youth group, Chris was teaching the youth about Noah and the ark. And uh, he was talking about how God commanded the ark be built and the dimension and all that. He went through all that and there's only one door uh, to the ark. And then as Chris was applying this to, to, the, to the kids, he was teaching about that. That is a picture of how Jesus is the only way, there's only one way to God. The only one way to be saved from our sin. And that is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is like that door, just one door. And, and immediately it came to me. And I went over and I said to Bonnie, guess which song is going through my mind right now? <laughs> and Bonnie looked at me, one door and only one, and yet the sides are two. <laughs> I don't think I'd heard or sung that song in over 40 years. But it was right there. As soon as Chris mentioned that one door and only one, and yet the sides are two, inside and outside, on which side are you? <laughs> How many of you remember that from way back? Yeah, one door and only one, and yet the sides are two, I'm on the inside, and which side are you? <laughs> and it was there, 40 years, and right there. That's what music does. God knows that. <laughs> of course he knows that. He designed us. He knows how we tick and how we work. He knows how music touches us like that. And so that's why he has made music very much a part of worship of him and of teaching. You've all heard stories of people with dementia and Alzheimer's who can't say a word, just have a blank look at their face. You talk to them, they just have that blank look, there's just nothing there. But you start singing an old hymn. And before long, they're singing along. They know all the words, they know the tune, they're singing plain as they. That song, those words are still there in a different part of the brain. So music and songs are a great way to get God's word into you and embed it in you, in a part of you where it'll be very hard to get out. Now, we need to be careful here. If you focus on bad songs with very bad and untrue lyrics, that will get into you and embed itself in you. But if you focus on the good and godly songs with these truths of God's word being the lyrics, that's a good thing. So when you're facing affliction, use music, good, godly music, to help embed God's word into your innermost being. It gets the words into another part of your brain that is very hard to dislodge. And the music itself will work to not only make it easy to memorize, but the music itself, besides the words, the music will often bring a peace and a comfort and a calmness to your soul. And you put those two together, 
And God will use it to remind you of his word and his promises and his plan. And move you to a place where you can just place your trust in him and rest in him. It's a number of years ago now that uh, I myself was at a very low place. I took some steps and one of the steps that that I took was uh, taking a sabbatical which you the church graciously allowed me to do but I know in those when I, things are kind of dark during that time and I at that, about that time I discovered on TV on this because I don't scroll through all the the guide and what's all on and all the 50 million channels that come through on the satellite I don't <laughs> usually do a lot, but I, I found Gaither Gospel Hour, and I started listening to that, and it had such a powerful effect on me, it was, and I started buying those Gaither Gospel DVDs, <laughs> like crazy, Versus made pretty good money on me back then, <laughs> buying those DVDs, because it helped me, it was those that brought me through some very dark days, for me personally. Use music. That's the second example the psalmist leaves us. Use music to embed the word of God in your innermost being. Thirdly and finally, focus on God and his word in the night when sleep eludes you. Focus on God and his word in the night when sleep eludes you. Verse 55. O Lord, I remember your name in the night and keep your law. It struck me that the psalmist said that he would remember God's name in the night and keep God's law. Why would he remember God's name in the night? How can you remember anything when you're sleeping? Well, the obvious answer is he wasn't sleeping. <laughs> that was probably the issue. He wasn't sleeping. It is night, but he's not sleeping. And when you're facing afflictions and the stress that goes with it, this can happen. You can't sleep. You go to sleep and wake up in an hour or so and then just can't go back to sleep. We've all experienced it. I certainly have. What do you do then when sleep eludes you? Well, I don't know about you, but I at times get into a state where I'm not sleeping, but I'm not fully awake and alert, alert either. I'm awake enough to know that I'm not sleeping and would sure like to go to sleep, but neither am I fully alert and awake. And I know for me, when in those times when I'm in that state, my thoughts can go all sorts of crazy places. Psalmist here says he remembered God's name in the night. He wasn't sleeping like they couldn't sleep because of the stress that he was in, as he mentions there in in verse 51, the stress, and in verse 53, some of the things that were bothering him. He wasn't sleeping because of that. But in those hours in the night when, he, when, when sleep eluded him, he remembered God's name. And he focused on God and the things of God. And the result was, he kept God's law. It became part of his being that he observed God's precepts, verse 56. And that's a good example for us. 
when we are facing affliction. It's stressful, and that may cause us some sleepless nights. But in those sleepless hours, if we can be disciplined enough in our minds to focus on the name of God, to call on the name of God, focus on the things of God, it will be another avenue to get God's word into us. And we'll be able to keep God's law and keep on observing God's precepts. It'll help us stay steadfast in our walk with God in spite of afflictions. So therefore we see from this section of the Psalm 119 some pretty good examples that will help us stay steadfast in our walk with God in spite of afflictions. The temptation may be there to just give up on trying to walk with God. Just give up. But following these examples will help us stay steadfast in our walk with God in spite of those afflictions. So they are, in review number one, take comfort in how God's word has proved itself in the past and know that it will do so now and it will in the future. Secondly, use music to embed the word of God in your innermost being. And then thirdly, focus on God and his word in the night when sleep eludes you. I don't know if you're facing any kind of affliction this morning. We all do from time to time. If it is bad enough, it may bring that temptation to just give up. And in the stress of the affliction, conclude that staying true to God just isn't worth it. But those thoughts, those temptations, they're not right. They are giving in to the need of the moment and ignoring the far more important long-term truths. So don't give in. Don't give in to those temptations. Follow these examples and stay steadfast in your walk with God. Let's take our time of silence again and just give you a few moments to just quiet your heart before God and just allow Him to speak to you. What's God saying to me personally from this this morning? I'll just give you a few moments. Amen. Music team, please. Let's stand and sing together.
even if we had no power, every one of us could sing that scripture because of the songs that we learned as a child. And our last one is called My Prayer. We, we sang it a couple Sundays ago. And I think it's a, just a good conclusion to remember um, the grace of God and how we can approach him as our shepherd. Thank you for your singing.